0: Hey, welcome back to the Technically podcast. My name is Shep. I'm here joined by Mike again. How you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing pretty awesome. How about yourself?
0: Doing all right this weekend. Uh, just trying to keep my head down with all the the stuff going on in the world. I uh, hope you're doing the same.
1: I am. I'm glad we're back. Uh, it's been a little while since we've you know done this. So, but it's we've had a lot of moving parts in the last you know couple months or whatever it's been. So yeah. It- but now we're here.
0: It's definitely been a bit uh, a bit too long, but we're back and we're ready to go. So we've got a number of things on the list today. We will kind of kick it off with um good old Trump and his Twitter. Apparently, he was uh, quote unquote hacked. I don't know if you can really call this a hack um where someone gets his password, and yeah this is this is an uh, an example of some of the most basic levels of security, you know. What's your take on this, Mike? Like, what do we have happening?
1: So, absolutely, uh, totally. Uh, this is one of the basic things about security. Uh, make a sentence. Don't. I don't. I don't know why people encourage you know s- simple words with exclamation point. Everyone uses exclamation point at the end of their passwords.
0: Yeah, and that's what we had happen here. Um, it was apparently MAGA twenty twenty with an exclamation point. The person who, uh, quote unquote, hacked and guessed his password did this again or did this in the past four years ago and his password then was you're fired the best part about this is like the the researcher had suggested a password similar to MAGA 2020 exclamation point which you know including numbers and you know symbols and whatever but the fact that he used that is astounding
1: MAGA 2020 with an exclamation point is almost as bad as summer 2020 with an exclamation point. Uh, I I don't, I don't, I don't like putting years in my passwords because of this, especially current years. (laughs) That's, that's, that's not a good idea. For sure. the the only qualms I have is there's no real third party to, uh, say, or, you know, say that this actually was the password. Uh, I, to me, it's hard to believe that someone didn't guess this before. Yeah. That's, that's my only problem with this.
0: And the, the thing that the well, only thing we have is screenshots, which, of course, screenshots can be photoshopped or altered and, and done all sorts of different ways. So we don't really know for a fact that that is what happened. We only have this person's report of it.
1: Right. They could have created an account and literally typed the we'll, we'll, we'll put the show or uh, the the website in the notes. But the he could have typed Donald Trump's name in there and the 45th president of the United States in the bio. Um,
0: or just then, photoshopped it.
1: Yeah, like, photoshopped it wouldn't be that was, hard. No, absolutely.
0: So not. the one thing that comes to mind for me, and I don't know why this isn't like a universal requirement across the board at this point, is there was no two factor authentication on the president's account. Like you would think, you would think they would. This is this is a person who effectively drives policy from his Twitter. He should, at the very least, have a two factor app on his phone. At the very least.
1: So I I read that according to. Twitter's policy—they it's encouraged but not required for politicians. Honestly, for like the president, it should be required.
0: Yeah, I think that because they they do that blue check mark right It's like the verified, so you mm-hmm. can know that you're listening to whoever they say they are. I think that in order to have the blue check mark, you should be required to have two factor authentication. Plain and simple.
1: I can't disagree, especially for a politician.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, moral of the story here, folks: you know, use a password manager, make your passwords long, make them so you can't even remember them yeah generate them to be crazy symbols you know there's no reason to to remember anything other than your master password which should be a sentence for sure absolutely all right next up we have the us formally charging some russian intel officers around some malware development and i think this isn't really a surprise um what's your thoughts man
1: um so, yeah it's not surprising at all um especially from something from the GRU. It's interesting how they are able to find the names of Russian hackers or Chinese hackers, Iranian hackers and then know how or find pictures of them and then post them. It's it's that's really good intelligence in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously these folks being intel officers and in the positions that they are, they're never going to leave Russia. There's no way that these charges will ever come to fruition. However, it is at least Calling out, if you will, a, a public enemy of sorts, which I I think we should bring to people's attention, because there is behind the scenes, you you have a lot of cybersecurity stuff happening between governments that really isn't talked about. Um, these folks, in particular, most of the charges appear to be around malware development. So the uh, the NotPetya Olympic Destroyer and Kill Disk were explicitly called out uh, in these charges, but as far as like. Malware development being a chargeable offense. I think that's interesting.
1: It definitely is. Uh, and, and it could be because it's meant to cause damage. And that is literally it's what its purpose was for. Yeah, for sure. And it is causing damage because uh, not patches, not something to be played with or it's it's a pretty bad malware.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I personally haven't worked with any of these. But um, yeah, I, I guess that makes a difference is if it is explicitly targeting causing damage that that would be something to watch out for.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Moving on to our next topic, we have Google being sued by the department of justice over antitrust concerns, which again, I think surprises no one. Uh, What's your thoughts?
1: Uh, No, it's not surprising. Um, It's been reported in like the New York times. I think it was um, that Google tells its employees not to use the word crush or kill "hurt," or block when it comes to, in relation to their competitors, uh, so that's definitely a way to, for them to try to avoid, at least in my opinion, the look that they're trying to be antitrust, or yeah, as as antitrust.
0: Yeah, and part of me wonders if this is why Google became quote unquote Alphabet, and then Google became a subsidiary of Alphabet, because I think it it might actually become a lot harder if you break out your companies into individual companies, even if they're all under the same umbrella maybe to try to obfuscate that you're doing antitrust or non-competitive things. Um, I think nobody is surprised, of course. And from what I was reading, the main charges here are that they significantly encouraged, almost to the point of requiring, Google apps being loaded on Android devices, setting Google as the default search engine in a lot of these different apps. That That's a little fuzzy to me, but I understand.
1: Right, and also they pay Apple billions of dollars to have them as their default.
0: Right, um, for like Apple Safari devices. and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely one of those like fuzzy lines, right? Because you're talking about contracts being made between companies and sure, the companies could choose somebody else, but especially if you're talking about like the choice between, say, Google and DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, it's a fine search engine. Lots of people use it. It respects your privacy a lot more than Google does. However they don't have the funds to offer millions upon millions of dollars to these app developers or hardware, you know, hardware companies to include them as a default. And so that I think is really the only real grounds that we have saying that it's antitrust.
1: Well, you go back to your other point of them requiring certain apps to be installed on devices like mm-hmm. phones. That, that would be an anti-competitive also.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, basically what happened with microsoft internet explorer so Mm -hmm. this is a well well traveled road on that one it's going to be interesting
1: to see how how this turns out Uh, but definitely like you said it's not it it was expected (laughs) for me i'm surprised it didn't come sooner to be honest
0: yeah for sure all right next up we've got paypal and how apparently they are starting to finally embrace some cryptocurrency now My thoughts on this is obviously PayPal is kind of the giant when it comes to a lot of online payments and transferring of money. Whether you use PayPal, whether you use Venmo, you're pretty much going to be in their system for a lot of your stuff. The downside I see, and I'd like your take on this as well, is that PayPal is not technically a bank. They're just like a money processor. And so they can just stop you from taking your money out. And it's very difficult to like appeal that. Now we add in a cryptocurrency, like, where does this go from here, Mike?
1: My question is, Is will the cryptocurrency be stored in PayPal, kind of like Coinbase? Is, mm-hmm. is that the same for you?
0: That's my thought, is if they're also managing the wallet, that's, because I, I think they're going to have to, because most people who are going to be using these apps aren't going to run a third-party wallet software or anything like that to accept and send payments. Like, that's just not going to work. So they've got to be controlling it somehow behind the scenes with like hot and cold wallets that PayPal controls.
1: I'm interested to see how this plays out for PayPal. They they definitely do have a large base of users, so it might be easy for them to transition into having a large cryptocurrency uh, user base. I do I do notice that their their fees are much higher than most other places like Coinbase charges 1.49% less, less, less right than there. one point. And PayPal will, is going to charge, you know, upwards of 2.3%. I, I think mm-hmm. a real hardcore user of, of cryptocurrencies probably will use something like Coinbase instead.
0: Yeah. Or just their own wallet. If they're that savvy. Right. Um, one of the things that I find interesting is they are actually not doing this themselves. They're, they're partnering with another company Paxos to do it. Um, Which I understand. Um, Not many people want to build kind of the back end to support this. And then you have what currencies are going to offer, which are basically the main ones. You've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and Litecoin. I think that that covers like 90% of what most people would want to use. You you don't want to
1: buy some Dogecoin?
0: I mean, I love me some Dogecoin. I mean, isn't it like a billion (laughs) to one dollar or something right now? Um, So yeah, like... Obviously those are still some of the smaller ones, but yeah, I think we're covering most people.
1: Absolutely. So, are.
0: so the other thing that I'm curious about is because PayPal owns Venmo, will this come to Venmo or are they going to end up trying to like eat their own lunch with competing against Venmo? Cause Venmo in my mind is how a lot of people just transfer money back and forth. If they just have like a bill they want to split or something like that, are they going to eat their own lunch and kill off Venmo if people really start embracing cryptocurrency i i
1: wonder if they will move it to venmo because imagine being able to do cryptocurrency transactions between between users that mm-hmm. right there on the spot that would be interesting to see
0: that's that's what makes sense to me and mm-hmm. that's where i think you can start fuzzing the lines a little bit is like if the wallet is owned by paypal and you just kind of have assets in there and then every so often they settle those transactions on the actual blockchain I think they might actually be able to do instant transfers quote unquote between people instead of having to like wait for them to be verified on the network but yeah I guess we'll see where this goes Um, I know that there's always been that talk of like these apps wanting to be like the PayPal of crypto and well then PayPal just comes in and just stomps everybody because they're the 800 pound gorilla absolutely are just like Google (laughs) indeed all right Next up, we have something a little bit outside our usual. We have the Hummer electric vehicle being announced, uh, Hummer EV. This is, I feel, a, a fairly clean, a fairly clean aim right at the Cybertruck. Um, what's your take here, man? It definitely
1: does feel like that. It's quite a bit more expensive, uh, so it, it may be mm. more, aiming more for a premium market than the Cybertruck is. Yeah, but I wonder if they'll actually get that. I mean, it's Cool looking, but I'm sure it weighs a ton.
0: Yes, I'm I'm positive literally, it does literally. as well. <laughs> I mean, my my little hybrid sedan weighs four thousand pounds. I'm sure this thing is an absolute monster of of you know gargantuan proportions. Um, one thing that I found interesting, like you mentioned the price, it's eighty thousand dollars, which is where the top end of the cyber truck falls. Like you can get a top end three-motor cyber truck for about eighty grand. If that's the case, then if you're a performance hog, you're probably going to go towards a Cybertruck. But if you want a truck that looks like a truck, you're probably going to end up going with something like a Hummer um, because it does look very much like just a standard truck.
1: It's it's definitely more normal compared to the Cybertruck. I I don't know if you can get any more abnormal than that thing. But um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it looks like it's low poly and, and, you know, rendered from doom. But one thing, and this is something I explicitly checked because to me this is really important, is what does it use for fast charging? Because in my mind, any electric vehicle is only as good as the charging behind it. That's where I still feel like Tesla wins the game with their large network. However, the Electrify America company is working on on installing these high, you know, wattage, high voltage charging stations around the country. So this one is supposed to be able to take the highest end one that they're working on, which is 800 volt fast charging, which is technically higher than like your supercharging from most Tesla stations. That's impressive. I'm glad to see that there's at least some movement being made there.
1: It's definitely impressive. The way the electric car market's moving now it is it's going to be pretty exciting in the next five years. I'm, I'm interested. I'm highly interested. I'm sure everybody is, to be honest. But you know me uh i'm interested to see how how it progresses uh especially with a you know fully electric hummer
0: Mm -hmm, for sure and one of the things that again coming back to that that fast charging is without that it's very limited in your functionality um but this was supposed to be able to get about 100 miles in 10 minutes which sounds a bit crazy and maybe that's kind of a theoretical limit but if that's if that's the case uh props to them
1: That's that's pretty that is pretty impressive. Uh, That'll get you definitely to work and back. At least I would hope so. I hope hope no one's driving 100 miles to work.
0: Yeah, that would be a little rough. (laughs) Sure would. All right. And as kind of a switch of subject again, uh, we've got some fun news. We have AOC, the the Congresswoman from New York, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, playing among us on Switch. And. Kind of breaking some numbers here. Apparently, about 400,000 people, a little over, watched her at once on Twitch play a game. What?
1: (laughs) Well, it is Among Us, so.
0: It is Among Us, and and it's a really impressively fun (laughs) game for as simple as it is.
1: It really is so simple, but it is pretty awesome.
0: Right, and so for me, I see this as an interesting shift in our culture, right? You have a whole bunch of people like you and I, like people a little bit older and and pretty much everyone below us in age, we all have kind of this culture of social games, whether it's something like Among Us, whether it's Cards Against Humanity, we have these social games that we've kind of grown up around. And so to see a government official actually embrace that as a way to reach out to her constituents and just frankly everyone, because she's doing it as like a get out the vote, you know, message. I think that that is a refreshing thing to see in government that we have traditionally just kind of seen as like a also ran almost of like, yeah, we like technology, I guess. (laughs) That's
1: absolutely true. It's very unique. Um, I don't actually think I've ever heard of a politician doing something such as playing a game on and streaming it on Twitch or something similar. uh, similar Yeah, I
0: don't think I've heard anything like that either, which is impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. It's definitely I, I don't know if it's a sign of the age or her age because she is young typically Mm -hmm. a younger politician but it's definitely a good move and it gets a lot of people viewing they did say that the users the users the people that were watching a lot of them were probably not eligible to vote uh, as they may be younger Um, but it's still a good way to get out and get people talking i mean look we're we're talking about here there's articles everywhere about her playing among us it's Mm -hmm. it's all over the place
0: yeah, for sure. And even if those people are not eligible to vote now, you know, if they're following the terms of service of most websites, they will be in anywhere from one to two elections, like one to two four year elections by, you know, 2028, pretty much everyone who quote unquote should be on a site like Twitch should be able to vote. And so if we're able to to see this level of engagement with something as simple as hey, go out and vote. I also wonder what it looks like is the future of campaigning. Um, if you can start reaching out to the younger vote, which is oftentimes not as engaged as older folks are, um, I think we could really move the needle. We could really move the needle as a company.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's. I, I wonder how many other politicians might follow step or do something similar to touch base with the younger voters.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, I think that this starts a new age and I'm looking forward to it. Next up, we've got Sam's Club, um, which you might think, what does Sam's Club have to do with a technology and security podcast? They have apparently just bought a bunch of these autonomous floor cleaning robots, basically big ass Roombas. And they're going to replace what they would normally do, scrubbing the floors every night with a robot. Like, where... Where did this come? This came out of nowhere. Like I've heard of obviously Warehouse Robots before, but like as far as them basically being commercial Roombas, this is a new one.
1: It definitely looks like a a giant Roomba. When I first looked at the article, I thought they actually put the wrong picture in there because it has a seat (laughs) and a a steering wheel on it.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) You did too. Um, It's it looks like the the ones when you're typically walking Walmart and someone's driving it around. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same thing, but it. I guess it has computers inside of it that drive itself.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they basically cannibalized an existing model to make it work. Uh, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so and like you, retrofits.
1: And a, uh, someone may be able to just jump on it and go clean somewhere specific. That's maybe why they have those two, uh, yeah. the seat in the steering wheel on it.
0: Or if it goes like haywire and somebody has to like jump on it to start steering it to the correct direction. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but like what I view this, obviously the autonomy part of it is where the the tech comes in. But where I view this from kind of like a social aspect is that this is another example of automation, eating jobs that previously would have been considered kind of like your typical working class jobs that people could find consistent employment in. So we've seen this with Amazon's like warehouse robots, like the whole concept of kind of doing like picking is just gone. um, At least in their, in their warehouses and What we're going to see, I feel, is that this is going to push kind of a movement towards more automation and then that opening that conversation of like, what do we do as a society for these people who have now been displaced?
1: It it also could be um, this sort of thing could be a good thing because as as society grows and gets richer, they typically there's less of a growth in population and this Mm -hmm. could help, you know. Fix that problem, but as for right now, if it grows too fast, and I'm talking about the AI, mm-hmm. um, the AI portion taking jobs, then it could definitely become a serious societal issue for you know the working class, like you said,
0: for sure. And while this is obviously a different uh, focus than something like self-driving trucks, it just to me feels like another example. They also mentioned that they're going to have like an add-on attached to the side of the robot, which I'm assuming is using like cameras and scanners and whatnot to do inventory management. So like as it's cleaning the floors, you're checking your stock. If that is the case, then that also in my mind can eliminate some of the staffing requirements needed to do inventory, to do things like checking for shrink and loss in a company, Um, having, having more knowledge of, where your product is and then also very clear knowledge of like how it's changed. Like where did people buy more of your product when it was placed in a certain part of the store? Like that sounds like a really neat thing as far as like from a business standpoint, but at the same time I'm like, okay, yet another thing we're tracking the behavior of our fellow humans on. (laughs) It's a mixed bag. So on the,
1: the scanning portion that you mentioned where it, it scan, it might scan and do inventory tracking. I I don't know if they'll be able to count and be able to tell how many of a specific item they have, but they may be able to tell what something is.
0: It is fuzzy, like on the details there. They haven't really talked about it. But from what I understand, it is supposed to be able to do counting of inventory. My guess is it's probably using computer vision to go, okay, there are, you know, we think four of these things behind there. I don't know how accurate it'll be, but we'll see. All right. So next up, we have a story that is, again, a little bit of a departure from our usual but um I think it's an important one and a neat one. We've got the we've got a a article from the Lancet about a way to detect Alzheimer's d- disease in a non-invasive fashion probably before we would otherwise be able to recognize it, which is super awesome because when we talk about something like Alzheimer's disease, it is best best found early so that you can start taking processes and some of the new medicines that help slow the progression of the disease. There's no cure, but at least we can start slowing it. And this new kind of approach with technology is that they're able to use machine learning to detect potential Alzheimer's just by listening to like a recording of somebody talking. That's astonishing to me.
1: It's definitely impressive on how it's like doing studies and how doing studies they they are able to build AI around or machine learning around trying to figure out if something like this is existing or is coming up, especially as early as they're able to tell the detection.
0: Mm -hmm. Like before other means would have been able to detect that somebody potentially is developing Alzheimer's disease. The accuracy is actually reasonably decent. It's about 71 ish percent from what I was reading, which is not amazing but it's better than what we currently have, as far as our, our early tests go. I think it's fascinating that we're able to use machine learning to pick up on these patterns of speech. Um, I don't know if it like uses particular words or cadence or what, but it picks up on the speech patterns and are able to use that to kind of detect how mentally they may be being affected by Alzheimer's.
1: I believe it was how they how they use the words. Okay as when they're reading or when they're describing a situation.
0: Okay. And I guess that's probably playing into like, they've only done this obviously in a a clinical setting as part of the tests. But I wonder if there's like certain things you're supposed to ask and see how they respond. So from
1: my understanding from the article, it it looks like they take a picture and someone will describe kind of what's happening in the picture. From that, they could use the, how the person describes it to detect if it may be an unusual pattern of someone with Alzheimer's and that seems to be the way they're doing it.
0: Okay. That, yeah, that makes sense to me because obviously just asking them to repeat something wouldn't work, but you're testing kind of like how their brain processes, whether they maybe remember newer words for things, things like that. Um, but regardless, I think that this is an awesome use and a great example of using Technology like machine learning that some people have worries about for a good, right? Like this is i I don't think anyone could say this is a bad thing,
1: no, for sure. This is definitely going to be a good development for for machine learning um that this sort of field is definitely better than, you know, a robot taking someone's job,
0: yes, for sure. um and you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see this kind of thing built into like the IBM Watson project, which is that's their whole that's their whole stick is they want to basically have machine learning and, and AI within medicine, like en- enhanced. So we'll see where this goes. I think it's a a positive, great thing for the world. And I just wanted to make sure that we talk about it.
1: So something interesting that I just thought of, mm-hmm. maybe it it's going to be interesting to see how governments and, you know, companies like Google uh, use this to know or find out which of their which of their users actually may have Alzheimer's or developing mm. Alzheimer's? Uh, so when you're typing something, I, I mean, you type it similar to however, you're going to speak. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing that, they may be able to tell how how much of the population or specific people may be developing Alzheimer's.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that would be uh, that would. I don't know how I would feel about that one. <laughs> like <laughs> while while it can be used for good, it's like then hey, am I going to get a whole bunch of ads for uh, for treatment centers? Um or, or any other
1: be. they maybe they use something similar to this for other patterns of you know mm-hmm. similar to Alzheimer's and picking yeah. people out of the population that may have it.
0: Yeah, I I am really interested to see because this will obviously I feel spur on more legislation around this concept. Because in my mind, if somebody has collected this data on you, they could easily sell it to an insurance provider, which If you're an insurance provider, sure, like that's great. More data. However, I don't feel that as a whole insurance should be that hyper focused because the the whole purpose is to spread risk among a population. So we'll have to see like if you can start determining what diseases you think somebody has and then be like, hey, insurance company, pay us a hundred million dollars and we'll tell you so you can make sure you charge these people more. I think we're probably going to end up having some legislation around that in order to prevent things like that.
1: I would hope so because that's a scary thought.
0: Yeah. So it reminds me again of like the the target instance where like they knew that the girl was pregnant before her dad did. Um, So we have to be careful as a society. But I do think that, again, things like machine learning and AI are tools and they can be used for good or bad. And so we just have to make sure that we use them for good. Absolutely. Well, I think that that's a good way to wrap up. I've, you know, great to talk to you again. Um, I hope that we can do this again in about a week, maybe two. get back on a schedule. It's been great to talk about things again. And uh, I hope to hear from you again soon.
1: I can't wait. Uh, it's, it's been kind of, uh, it's been kind of, you know, lonely over here by myself. So without, you know, without talking to you, so we should definitely do this again soon. <laughs>
0: I know, right? (laughs) Well, and I hope all of our listeners stay safe out there, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks for listening. This podcast is hosted by me, Shep Alderson.
1: And Mike Anderson. And it was edited and produced by Shep Alderson.